Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to season three, episode five of the Average to Lead podcast. As always, I'm your host, Chris Lowe, and this week I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down with pro cyclist Rob Britton. Rob's been racing bikes professionally for over 10 years, and it was absolutely fascinating to hear how he's upgraded and adapted his nutrition strategies throughout the course of his career. Uh, needless to say, there's an incredible amount of value and lessons to be taken away from this conversation today from the uh, starvation culture of pro cycling back in the day with the aim of being as light as possible to building really solid uh, fueling and recovery strategies that perform optimally on the world tour. So if you're an endurance athlete, this is definitely an episode you'll get a huge amount of insight and inspiration from. Uh, so without any further ado, let's get into today's show. Rob, how are you doing? Yeah, good, man. Just sort of living the dream down here in California. Yeah, can't complain. Amazing. Above 20 degrees every single day. Yes. Yeah. I was riding in pretty much every piece of winter kit I owned uh, a couple weeks ago and then came down here and I think I've ridden in more or less jersey and shorts. I'll start with a vest some days or a gilet some days just, you know, to... Uh, Keep the chest warm. I have to ride down the hill from the house, but uh, otherwise, yeah, it's like summer here, Canadian summer. Yeah, amazing Canadian summer, Canadian summer in uh, January. So yeah, very very nice. So uh, just say a big thank you for coming on today's show. Um, I think we're gonna get some really really good um, topics here surrounding your career and uh, from a nutrition perspective as well, and the different kind of elements involved with this so uh before we get into all of this um i clearly know who you are but for the listeners who may not uh who is rob yeah so um i am canadian i kind of grew up in kind of the prairies of canada not really a traditional cycling background um spent most of my life being told i probably should pick a different sport and then kind of against that I managed to make a 10 plus year career out of being a pro biker. Um, raced on predominantly US teams, raced in the UK actually one year. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, American teams uh, racing all over the world, uh, versus Australia, uh, China, Japan, or no, Britain, Japan. Um, yeah, the UK, Oman, like Middle East, and then all over Europe. Um, and yeah, just retired officially from road last year. And this year I've kind of transitioned um, into doing the gravel racing scene. Um, it's something that I did on the side for fun. I'm just never competitive, never gravel races, just bikepacking adventures, riding my road bike where I shouldn't, riding my gravel bike where I definitely shouldn't. And then, you know, just seeing where I can go on a bike. And I live in a basically like a playground for that in uh, British Columbia. So yeah, the next year is looking like a pretty exciting transition from what I've done the last, well, now pretty much the last better part of my life. So, yeah, yeah. incredible. And like we, you mentioned earlier, that the gravel biking scene has pretty much exploded now and far more opportunities and more races and events to, yeah, tackle in the years to come. Yeah, uh, it's, it's growing wildfire. So, it's pretty exciting to be in on. Um, not quite the ground floor. I think there's some like real pioneers that set the tone, but yeah, to be kind of coming in early days is pretty exciting. Yeah, superb. So also you mentioned uh, 10 years uh, racing professionally and within that kind of time frame, I'm sure there's many um, kind of objectives you are looking to achieve, whether that's performance, whether that's body composition, with us uh, specific target races um but in terms of like your key performance targets throughout that time is there anything specifically you were looking to achieve is there anything that kind of jumps out um yeah i mean like i think early early in the year in your career like your goal is just to make the races on these teams um so you're, and, and you're racing a lot. So kind of each race you're doing, you're trying to like both show that you deserve to do the next race, but also like try to get a result in there, but help the team. So it's just like, it's tough to have much of a performance goal and just trying to be good all the time. Um, 
and, and I, I, I had success in that and I was able to do, um, you know, the biggest race in the U S like right away in my first years pro like tour of California and stuff. But then, um, later on in the career, then it became like, I learned a lot more, had a new coach, um, great director. And, uh, then yeah, body composition became a bigger target and how to fuel, um, especially while training. And it's kind of funny, man, like all of this stuff, it's just the more stuff changes, the more it stays the same. There's more science around it. It's not just like eating lots of this. It's like, oh, you know, 60, 80 grams of carbs an hour. Like that's not new. It's just now it gets commonplace versus like, you know, and, and it's just like, yeah, cyclists have such, and I, I grew up in this era. Like we had such a bad image of like, you know, just starve yourself and like practice not eating what you train. Like I literally had a guy like, you know, I don't, I don't drink mix and I don't really eat when I train. So that when I do race, I'm like supercharged and I'm like, okay, well you're pretty good. So that makes sense. And then I, so it's like, this is like early days. So I had to kind of transition to that. And then like, yeah, so kind of when it came to performing body composition was a big thing, but then I would just do massive like training camps kind of leading into target events, like two or three weeks long at altitude, like really, really hard. <laughs> like, just stupid workouts, like for weeks at a time, you know, at two or 3000 meters, um, or like six to like eight, 9,000 feet, just like, yeah, full of gas stuff. No one else was doing, especially at the time. Now, again, altitude stuff is pretty commonplace, but, um, like six, seven, 10 years ago, not a lot of people were doing that. So, uh, yeah, there's a pretty big transition from when I started to when I finished how I was like, putting targets to like perform that all kind of makes sense yeah yeah so one of the things you said there is at the side of your career you need to be good all the time so to progress on like the the next race or the next week or next month next year so what did like that look like for you how do you kind of classify being good all the time at that kind yeah. of stage in your career i mean like you're younger so you're just excited all of the time and like they're like there is less of this, like, like modern day cycling. If you're, if you're good, you're just sort of targeting, you know, race X, Y, and Z. And they're actually like saving guys to train to race for it. Whereas back in the day, you just raced and like you raced to get fit. And so I, like, you know, goal one is always to hit like early season camp, like fit. You want to like kind of show off a bit there. It's like, okay. Then you go to the race. Like usually you do some races straight after that. So try to be, be well there. And then it's just trying to like hold this form, like, and like have little peaks when you can through the year. And like, now it's like, I do the same calendar now and actually like do quite well at all of that. But at the time you're like, you're so young and so new to it. And it's such a massive step up from like what you have been doing as an amateur that like, man, you were just like holding on, like, but some races it's like, you would try to, like, it's a fine line because you want to, get those results personally, but you do also want to help the team and kind of like your leaders. Cause if you show that you're selfish and regard, like you damn well better win then if you're going to like kind of check out and do your own thing, but otherwise then you just like, yeah, okay. I'll just like help the guys try to screw up, learn. Um, and then, you know, you show that you're better at least in the next best guy. And that usually got me on to, uh, like, into the next races and especially into the, into the bigger races. Plus I got along with everyone in the team. Um, yeah. I, it usually helps if you get along with everyone. <laughs> Not so yeah. Much Maverick. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you, when you get like later on in your career, you can kind of be a big grumpier as I was told, but, uh, yeah, otherwise no, it was, it was good. But yeah, early on, it was just like, it was tough because like, when I think of how the latter part of my career was and how targeted it was, I was like, I was like, damn, how did I get good for these races? Like I would just race and race and race, like almost like blinders on just like, but again, it's just like that in of itself is such a, would have been a massive stimulus anyways. So like here, yeah, I would still be progressing it, but then like also there was maybe 40 race days, but I wasn't training a ton, like compared to the training load I would have done now, like maybe 700 hours a year versus like 1100 hours a year. Like that's a pretty big difference. And like races, it went from like March 
to the end of August. And like, even the summer was like, you know, a smattering of like three to five day races. It's not crazy, but yeah. And American racing is a lot easier. Like, you know, under a hundred miles, usually like, you know, one of the days is some sort of like time trial. One of the days, like an hour long trip, like this doesn't have the same effect as like seven hundred plus mile, like world tour level, like road races in rain and blah, blah, like it just crushes you. So in terms of like that early phase and it's case of just, yeah, going from race to race, um, getting our stimulus from the racing itself and that adaptation. But when then you got a little bit more specific perhaps surrounding body composition, why do you feel that was more of a target at that moment in time? Was there any particular thing that was driving that goal for you? I mean, body composition, like when I was younger, it was just like, just try to get skinny. And then, but there was like, there was like, and like, honestly, that's what as far as got like, it was never like, oh, try to like get muscle mass like, or maintain muscle mass. Because like, all of this was just so new. Like we didn't have like, I guess a personal sports nutritionist, like someone like yourself, just like it didn't exist then. So, and like, I don't want to say it was like the early days of the internet, but like the knowledge base you could get off the web, like, you know, it was just so like, it could be anything like, and essentially like you're surrounded by these guys who are better than you. So you just sort of listen to them. So your body composition comes from being like, well, they're pretty strong, meaty looking guys. Like none of them look like me. And so I'm like, okay, well, like, and just like gorging, like these pretty high fat, like calorie diets and, but they're good. So you just roll with it. And I, I just tried to be as skinny as I could without any rhyme or reason. Like, carbohydrate intake fat like there was just like i don't know and then you go through like weird periods of like well i guess i'll just eat salad and chicken because that is uh how you get skinny and like i'm training a ton so i guess i'll lose weight kind of but it's like i just i spent i think those first few years especially like and my body weight didn't fluctuate that much up or down um like you know like when you're just a bit younger you kind of your metabolism just kind of takes care of business like when you're giving her all the time, like, it, yeah, you don't, I didn't gain a ton of weight. And then, but also I, I found that if I really buckled down, I could lose a bit, but I couldn't lose much. So I was like, well, what's the point of like really, really giving her in like starvation program when I could just like eat kind of well and it just sort of like it stayed around like 158, 160 and that was fine. So. Is do you think that was more of a like a cultural thing back then as well in terms of like I don't know call it a starvation program that you're on? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it was. No, that's what it was. It was like it's like old school guys, and it's just like you know. And it's kind of funny because my coach, who I ended up working with like majority of my career, uh, Chris Baldwin, it was my teammate my final year on um, Bissell, and. Uh, yeah, like he had it figured out. Like he was doing these like big long rides, taking in tons of carbs, eating like really well. But even like for him, it's like when it came to like really doing recovery stuff, he'd be like, you know, have like salad and like eggs after like these big training rides. And like he would fill you up and give you some protein. But, you know, and then like I just think back to like flash forward again, like to modern day and like you know some of the stuff we're doing last year is just crazy like i can eat all this and still lose weight like what how is this possible so when you were having that sort of salad chicken eggs and things like after big rides what would a, a big ride look like for you then like perhaps a kilojoule kind of expenditure if you can uh, uh, run back the fox i remember i mean early, early days i actually i don't know i I think averaging maybe like 800 kjs an hour would be pretty good. Doing over five hour rides was like not super commonplace. So, you know, eight times so 4,000 kjs yeah. would be, it would be like kind of a pretty big day. Um, probably in the three to 4,000 kj range is like probably ranks as a pretty big day back then. Yeah. And so you got three to 4,000 expenditure on top of your normal day to day living calorie expenditure, moving around, yeah. cooking food, that kind of stuff. And then, yeah, chicken salads on top. Yeah. And, but it was funny. So, but then also, it's like, I, 
I look back at like other stuff because I take pictures of everything and like so I have like these like visual memories from like when I would do stuff like here. So it's like some days I'd have like you know yeah chicken and like a massive salad and like a whole bit of rice. But then other days I remember seeing photos and they'd be like this plate of rice and like three sausages. <laughs> like oh, I guess we went both directions. <laughs> like it's like got a big day, better put it all in. It's like okay, it's a bit too much there, but you know, like 140 grams of fat, but I smoke meat's not bad. Do you think perhaps then the lower days almost set you up for the super high days, perhaps? Oh, for sure. It's just like, man, it was just the wild west when it came to nutrition. Some days, you know, it's like, like you're just sort of eating how you think maybe you should. And then eventually, obviously you crack and then you're like, oh, you know, it'd be good to some calories. And then you know, just like bang those in like the day before rest day. So just like they really stick to the bones and like, yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of funny. And then, yeah, just in hindsight, it's hilarious. Just looking back at what some of these guys thought was a good idea. And also like how, what I'm like, yeah. Okay. And, but and it takes you like years to like undo that. Thankfully, like I never, I never had like, like a lot of guys had like legitimate eating disorders like over their career. And like I'd say it's probably like borderline, but in that same sort of realm as like most, I'd say most pros, it's like your paycheck is basically derived from like your part of weight ratio. So there's gonna there's gonna be some sort of like food narrative there. Yeah. Again, it it does uh, stem from that cultural thing. Looking at yes, body weight power up a power to weight ratio and uh and so on so can you remember like when you were going super low on these kind of mini starvation days how you felt on the bike can you remember like how performance felt were you still flying flying along like absolutely fine or was it almost a fatigue day what what did you kind of um like subjectively how, how did you feel there um so i usually feel okay on the bike just because it's like I, I would never really screw around with um, breakfast. I usually have like, and I think that's like, if you looked at total calorie intake for the day, I don't necessarily think it would be like, it was a deficit for sure. But I think it was just loaded in the morning with calories. It's like, you know, I'd have like a thousand calorie breakfast or something. And so the, the, on the bike, the stuff was okay. But also too, it's like, <laughs> The stuff I was doing back, like way back in the day when I had like, just like super, like anything kind of went just try to get light diet. Like the workouts I was doing, like in comparison to now, like they just, it's, it's a joke. Like, it's not the same. Like, the, like, and, and I think if I did what I do now with the nutrition I had, then I would like, I would crack for sure. There's just no, like, you know, I last like a couple of days, like maybe one block, but yeah back then it was it's like this like it you know how it is like the stuff you think is hard when you first start in school like you know a couple years later you're like yeah one plus one equals three or two or whatever it's like it's easy <laughs> but like it's the same thing in like bike racing it's like when you start out like, this is hard but then you, you you know you grow and you adapt and then what was hard is like yeah okay like if you did the same watts now it's like that's like what i can do for like hours on end Versus like, you know, you could do 10 minutes at a time and you're like, oh shit, this is tough. Yeah. So that, and because of that, it's like, I think it gave me a bit more like leeway, but then plus it's like, you're saying how, you know, some days are, yeah, salad and rice, salad and chicken or eggs and salad. But then other days are just like these massive, like refuels without even like it being scheduled. So you're just getting these crazy ebbs and flows of like inconsistency. But I think because of that is what allowed me to naturally kind of survive the training. And again, early days versus later days, like that just wouldn't have flown in uh, kind of like my modern training. Yeah, absolutely. So going from the days of this ebb and flow kind of calorie intake, some very low, some perhaps in excess, um, where are we now? So how has that kind of changed over the course of your career? So from early days, perhaps the, the middle kind of ground, and then where we are now? Yes, I mean, early early days for sure, it was just like, there's no science to it at all. No calculation, no like portion control. 
other than like less was probably more. Um, and olive oil is good for you. Lots of olive oil because it doesn't have calories. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, early days, it was just like, you know, um, I'd eat kind of how I thought I should, but without any research that progressed into like all of our knowledge working with the coach, um, on bike nutrition became a much bigger target. Um, cause I struggled with that big time. So we really kind of nailed that. And it helps once you're sponsored because like to actually like, you know, you ride a bike a bit more now, like, and like it, you start putting these five or six like hour days, like you're trying to take in like 60 to 80 grams of carbs an hour or more. It's like, unless you're sponsored or you have like a backpack, like you can't carry that much food. Like that's an insane amount of food. So when I was sponsored, it became easy. It's like we have Cliff as a sponsor. And like, so Cliff Bar has given us like whatever we want. So on bike became really easy. Um, off bike, I definitely still struggled because I'll say like, you're always surrounded by like what the world tour teams are doing. And like through pseudoscience, like, yeah, I mean, keto is definitely the best. We got to go no carbs and just high fat and high protein because weightlifters do that and they're ripped and I want to be cut too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do that. So I tried that for a while and I got pretty jacked, like relatively speaking, but like, it's not sustainable for like cycling, obviously. Um, and then continue to learn. And then finally, like kind of actually my last year, uh, like, or what turned out to be my final year of cycling. Um, I heard, I think a podcast with you on, or you had a podcast with someone else. And I can't remember how I actually got connected, but, um, yeah, I started working together with you and then it's like, it just opened up like a whole other world of like, kind of like the consistent fueling and how to like take in the right stuff at the right time and how big of a difference that can make. And I wasn't sure about it. So I really wanted to put it to the test. So I actually like gave myself shingles and took about a month off the bike and like reset the clocks to about as unfit as I could possibly be. And then, you know, really worked for it for I think six weeks straight up in Andorra just like banging at the hours and like really kind of like measuring everything and watching it and doing it. And then went from being pretty chubby and out of shape to like, um, yeah, like racing, like our biggest race, the team was Tour de Swiss and like being, you know, effective or as effective as I could be in that race. And like with a body composition that was about as good or better than I've ever seen it in to go, in that period and do what I did without having like any major, cause it, it was, that was a major hurdle because we had to, had to get lean, like, which is usually easy enough to do if you have the time. Um, but I also had to get fit, which again, independently is easy enough to do with time, but to do both anybody who knows will tell you it's really difficult to be able to actually do both and like work together because yeah, you're playing with fire. And if you don't get it right, usually like, well, usually you just like, you're kind of skinny, skinny, kind of sick. And then ride like shit, that's pretty much like normal. Um, so yeah, that's the latter part of my career is like actually really figuring it all out. And I, ha I had enough experience doing so much other stuff that it, like I knew it didn't work. Um, and what you were saying really made sense. And, and just like having that stuff really planned out and that, that also helped a lot was uh, like, it sounds stupid, but like meal planning and meal prep takes like so much kind of like a little bit of work at the front end of your week, it takes so much weight off of your day to day. Cause I, I really do enjoy cooking. Um, in Europe, it's really easy to do. You just pop down to the market and grab whatever, but like it is nice if you have kind of like two or three days, kind of like I just go like from rest day to rest day, buying groceries and then have two or three days. And that made a huge difference. Just like, and you're just not at the store being like, Ooh, you know, that might be a nice little snack. And like just sneaking in those extra, like six or 800 KJs minimum per day, like of just like random shit. And like, but even that, even within that, it's like, we still would like, you know, actually work in like afternoon snacks. Cause it's like, well, at some point I'm probably gonna have a craving if I did, you know, 
5,000 KJ ride. I came back and had like a meal and I still have like three hours until my next meal. It's like, it's probably going to be like a point there. So I'm also like nip it in the bud instead of just sort of like, no, you're done eating at seven. That's it. Like, so just get the calories in. It's like, you know, I start out rides at 10 o'clock or 11 and then ride for five hours. Like, well, I guess we're just having like a bigger dinner now. Um, but yeah, it went from being like the wild west of my nutrition, like to like basically like a borderline like laboratory, just like very specific stuff, like and not bland, which is the nicest thing. It's like because I've talked to other guys at a very high level and like, oh yeah, do you work with a nutritionist? Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> just give me this rice and chicken portion bullshit. Sorry, I can't say that. Uh you need some rice and chicken, like nonsense. Like, like, oh yeah, no, I work with Trish is great. He gives you like these like recipes. I had like this like beef stir fry the other night, and that was pretty awesome. Or like some, like chicken pitas, those are pretty good. It's like what? I'm like, yeah, man, you 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 can moderate calories within that. Like, it's not hard. It's just it takes a bit more work, and I'm pretty sure your guy doesn't want to do that. Cause it's, it's really easy. It's like, I can tell you how many calories is in 200 grams of chicken and, you know, 150 grams of rice. Like that's pretty simple. So, yeah. Uh, and that's the key thing. Like it is going to be enjoyable for sure. Like if you come back from a, yeah, four or five plus hour ride and when you haven't planned or prepped anything and you've got nothing there, you're going to go straight down to the supermarket with your kind of, um eyes focus on all these like hyperpalatable foods and perhaps emotion kind of takes over and just grabbing everything but if you have something that you pre-planned prepared it's already done for you so you don't even have to cook so it's done for you there and it tastes nice you know that's a huge huge win like i said it's a little bit extra work at the start of the week but that then sets a tone for the rest of the week so you can stay on plan and implement the plan as best as you can oh yeah uh, yeah that was that was huge and like and yeah, like the, the meals are all like, I was like, good. Like, I remember when we started working together and it was just sort of like, oh, you know, like, what do you, what do you like, like to eat? And what do you like not like to eat? And then we're just like, like just recipes showed up each week. Oh, these are pretty good. Like, and I'm not a picky eater, but I do like variety and I don't like leftovers that much. So for me to like actually get to that point where I'm like, oh, this is like great. Like, instead of like just cooking up like another meal, it's like, that was a pretty big step for me. So yeah. It, and, and it is so much easier, um, like to just come in and like, cause yeah, some days you are cracked. Um, and like, I always like it cause I have great sponsors, like first endurance does make a really good, like recovery mix. So it's like a lot of times, like for those proper days, like between the four and 6,000 KJ mark, like I would just like come in, smash a recovery drink, and stretch or just lay on the floor in like a heap and then wait for like the food to heat up. And then, so it's like, cause it's like at that point, like you've done so much damage, you just need to fix it every way you can. Uh, and that's uh, one of the big things that we really try to cover there in terms of just getting enough food on these bigger days. Cause if you're doing like, you know, like saying like five plus hours on the bike, 5,000 plus expenditure per day, you know, you're not eating 2000 calories in a big deficit you're still putting in you know 800 900 grams of carbohydrates but you're still in the deficit so it's that relative energy deficit on a daily basis mm -hmm. and i think that's where some people will fall down quite quickly of just trying to go flatline every day 2000 calories super restrict and then they just end up at a huge mess at the at the end of the week where we were still in a big deficit every day some days maybe a thousand calorie deficit but you're still putting in four and a half thousand calories so you're still eating a lot of food. So you kind of get that best but best at birth, really, to restrict calories, to drop body fat, but then still mm. put in a ton of carbohydrates to support performance as best as we can within the budget and framework we're working within. Oh, for sure. That was that was like exactly it. And um it's kind of funny, like just thinking back to like the the keto life. Um it's like, I'm like man, this diet has like no fat. And I huh, I seem to be losing fat and still like. I mean, it, it has enough to like maintain, like there, like obviously fat has a function in your body, but like, you know, sitting there just sort of like getting that olive oil going every time you cook, it's going to get a bit more on there. 
get a nice sheen. Like it is none of that. It was just like nice, clean carbohydrates and it made a massive difference just having, and also too, like you were, you hammered at home even more with the, uh, kind of on bike fueling, which I think that's actually for cycling, especially I don't, I can't speak to other sports, but for cycling, um, yeah, eating enough on the bike makes, like this sounds obvious, like just so obvious, but it just makes such a difference. Like, in your performance on the bike for sure like that's the but the day after is where that i think you really start to notice that because you haven't done the whole on the bike which like i would do so calmly i just like and, and people have commented who ride with me that about because i can also just do four or five hours on like pretty much nothing it's like if you do it long enough you, you could it's fine but uh like the next day you just kind of feel like shit and that's that's when i find i don't recover now especially it's like the consistency of the day stuff is on like keeping that like yeah, 60 80 100 grams of carbs an hour and the next day like like yesterday i did that huge ride and i took in a ton of food it was like actually like i went to the washroom like earlier in my ride took my jersey off and i was like jesus this is like 10 pounds of stuff like <laughs> And it's like my phone was the only heavy thing in there and everything else is just food. And like, by the end I took the jersey off and it was just my arm was in there. I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. And like, but today I actually feel like I'm a relatively normal human being. And that was, I think 7,500 KJs, like it's a massive day. And like, there's obviously like end of the day, you know, the next time strike that I probably would just say like, realistically like two three thousand calorie deficit like with like bmr like there's no way i ate that much just didn't have time like you know breakfast you eat during the day but it, it's not like i had like a burrito at lunch like and then at night that's like i came back and had like as much pasta as i could but like also kind of within reasons it's like i hate the force feeding and then trying to sleep so yeah it's uh but again like that was another thing we learned too or i learned from it was uh, kind of that 24 hour like window, like of when you do the double meals, it's like, well, if you have 110, 110, like grams of carbs or pasta or whatever, um, like you don't need to get exactly 110. Like if you're hungry at night, it's like you can hammer in like 130, but then it's just at least, you know, like 90, like for the next day, like it works itself out. And that was what I thought was kind of, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Like it's all kind of like, it's in there. It's calculated. It's just, yeah. So it's very much the, the law of averages. So yeah, exactly. Someday under another, but it'll average itself out over time. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually, oh, sorry. Oh, and it's, it's, it's small amounts, which is like, so you're not, you aren't going to get, like, even if you overeat like the one day, and under eat the other day, like we're, we're talking like 20 to 30 grams, like 40 grams, like one video, but that's not enough to like really screw you for training or like really mess with like weight loss. Cause it's just like, it did always work out. And for the most part, it's like, I'd be so far like over some of those days. It's like, like, oh, geez, that was a five hour day. That wasn't a three and a half hour day. But, so, so one of the key things they mentioned that um, just how important feeling is on the bike in terms of your recovery next day, really. So is that whole thing of fueling is your recovery, your recovery is your feeling. And it's just mm-hmm. like this one constant, um, you know, trip feed of how much carbohydrates do we have in the tank? Because I saw the um, uh, story on Insta you put up yesterday with the amount of carbohydrates put on for, put in for that 285k ride. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah, dude, it was a lot of food. I was like, how do you, how have you got that many pockets? <laughs> um, but yeah, the jersey, jersey was hanging pretty good. And in the bottles too, it was like two one liter bottles with probably another, say 60 grams of carbs in each bottle. Yeah. yeah. So, and again, you put in this huge amount of food during the bike, loads of sugar, but then still at the end of the day in a big old deficit um where some people may think oh sugar can't have that doing the ride going to gain body fat but it's further from the truth you know you put in like you said seven half thousand calories also you expended five seven half thousand calories on the ride itself 
and he didn't put anywhere near that much in doing the ride. So there's naturally going to be a deficit. Yeah. It's cool too. Um, I started to, I, again, I have some really cool partners and one of them, um, kind of a carryover from last year is uh, super sapien. So the uh, blood glucose monitor. So it's been fun kind of getting back into that world again now and just sort of like watching it out of curiosity. And he's like, cause like if I did shit like this, like last year, like these big rides, I would like, I wouldn't get fired, but the team pretty much just like, if I had fun, the team like kind of like frowned upon that. And this to me is fun. And like, it was like, and it's crazy seeing like sort of the fluctuations. And like, when you start like to get your like blood glucose into like what they consider like a performing level for like, and I, I don't necessarily know what all the numbers mean. I'm still learning so much about it, but like, to get it and keep it at like the performance level of like blood glucose is man, it's hard. Like you have to eat so much, but the thing is, if you, as long as you're consistently eating, you don't actually get those huge drops, which is what you really want to avoid. Like then you get kind of like the hunger knocker bonk and like, you don't obviously that like would just destroy your, uh, your work. But, um, yeah, it's pretty wild how much you can eat without actually negatively affecting anything. Like I'm sure to this day I have never overeaten on the bike. And it's like when I think about it, it's just like try to tell these kids, like, man, you do not lose weight by starving yourself on the bike. It's like you want to starve yourself, it's like you restrict off the bike. Ideally, the word starve shouldn't be in the dictionary, but at a certain point, yeah, you're probably gonna feel kind of hungry. It's just like, but usually that's like early days as you kind of figure out what works. Like there's always like a bit of like growing pains, but and yeah it's uh and i guess we can uh call it like controlled starvation then <laughs> because uh, it is a calorie deficit at the end of the day um, yeah exactly so well, one of the key things we made sure that we're monitoring is your kpis so how's your performance your recovery your energy levels your mood your food focus and then how are they basically scoring on scale of one to ten, 10 on a daily basis a bit of a crude kind of way of monitoring this but it's really nice how you could just do it really quickly and just check in with yourself and do a little bit of a, bit of a body scan so if we can have good kpis and still maintaining a deficit we're still in the green and we still uh crack on with everything so that's one system that i feel is just quite nice and effective for athletes to do especially if they are trying to drop body fat while still trying to perform uh as best they can obviously there's going to be a little bit of a trade-off because you are under-eaten to a certain extent because that, by definition, is a calorie deficit, but it's just make sure it's manageable and mm-hmm. we're not in the shit zone and we're in the green most of the time. Yeah. No, it, it, it's totally true. Like it's, um, and I think kind of one thing you did really well, and I've told this before, like it is such an emotional thing. Um, like when you're running a deficit, like it's, it is really hard. And like you, like, I'm used to it, but it's, it's good kind of having someone checking in just seeing like, Oh, Hey mate, how's it going? It's like, Oh, it's a big day. It's like, oh, good. Or like, Oh, Hey, like this changed up. Can you like change it up really quickly? It's like having like, someone's just sort of checking in a lot and understands that it's not easy to do. Like in addition to those like KPIs, like it's all of that stuff helps like both like, the, like just the psychological side of it. Like, making sure you're on point, make like yourself, but then also someone else being like, okay, like, ooh, yeah, I see that's not good. Like, okay, well, how can we, how can we can adjust that? Like, how can we make it so it's like either goes too much or, you know, not enough or like, why, like, why do you think this? And I, and actually sort of like caring versus just being like, no, this is whatever it is. Is if you want to lose the weight, like I put the program in, follow it and you lose weight. It's simple as math. And it's, it's just so much more than that. And like, that was just one way of like monitoring, like the big picture, which is really important because it's like, you need to, when it comes to weight loss, it, it's like, I hate stepping on the scale. And like, if you just focus on like the day, the weight on the day, it's like, I can like pretty much for me, like, and I don't know what other people, but it's like, that could like make or break your whole day. It's like, oh my God, I'm up half a kilo. It's like, I'm probably heavier today than I was yesterday. Even though like I did 
just a, like, you know, a burnt theoretically like a pound, like I should be down. It's like probably every single thing I've eaten and drank in the last 12 hours is just now retained. So it's like your body's swollen, like all of this stuff. And it's just like, if you get stuck into those kind of things, it's like you can go downhill so fast and like having someone that just sort of like you can check in with and like, yeah, just like you say this, all of that stuff, monitoring it and like checks and balances all the way through is really, really, really important. Like, because yeah, it's a lot more than just sort of like food in, like calories out, like, and um, yeah, it's, it's a big picture thing when it comes to like, sort of nutrition and weight management and like performance on top of all of that for sure yeah absolutely and from a coach's perspective we're not just working with calories and macros like we're not working with numbers it's working with people first and then it's like right how do those numbers then uh how can we like manipulate those numbers to make sure that the the human being the other side of it is performing well kpis are in a good position to stay in healthy and they enjoying the process to as much as you can enjoy an energy deficit, you know? Um, yeah. so, so that is, um, that is obviously a huge thing. Like I don't want to just put anyone on just super low calories and just like stick the plan, man up, just, just do it because, you know, you need that feedback. So it's sustainable. So you can do it for a long period of time. So we're not running you into the ground and then you having like unplanned eating or putting in maybe 10,000 calories over the course of like two days. And then you're back to square one jump on the scales, your backup weight, and then your head's gone again. And then the cycle starts again, you know, just, just, yeah. stick, to the, just stick to the plan harder. It's like, I can't stick the plan in the first place. Let, let's, let's figure out a way to overcome this instead of like drill sergeant it all the time. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It's makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Like, cause yeah, you just having someone yell at you to like lose weight, sort of like, you know, smart enough dummy. Like, what? Okay. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's really, I guess it's like, it's just holistic and yeah, we're people, not just machines. Like, I mean, I, I think some guys are actually machines, but I am not one of them. So, uh, and it's interesting with body weight as well. Like we know how volatile body mass can be. It's going to go up, down, up, down. And if you think of like it logically, you did a huge day yesterday, but you're heavier today. Like that can affect you mentally if you don't understand what, what's perhaps going on. Like say mm. a lot of inflammation, a lot of water retention, um, and probably just eating quite late as well, a lot of food in your gut and all this kind of stuff can perhaps just play a little bit of mind games. And like you said, it can either make or break your day. So it is really a case of taking a step back, looking at the trends and really zooming out, isn't it? Um, yeah. Cause I know for endurance athletes, it can really, really get into their head and really get on top of them. And, you know, visually they look leaner, but then it's like, Oh, I'm up half a kilo today it's like well okay it's just kind of a daily fluctuation it's cool we're, we're fine um yeah just keep on doing the plan you're fine uh, it's that was like yeah through the career too you learn hopefully you learn it's just like yeah your physio it's like altitude is always a funny one it's like i would lose i'd be losing fat but at the same time gaining weight like or, or maintaining even though it's like i was losing weight it's because you know, I was going to like the sauna and at crazy altitude doing these crazy losses, like your blood volume is going up, like, you know, up to like, I don't know, like a liter or something. I don't know the exact numbers, like, but like your, so your plasma is increasing. So it's got liters a kilo. Like, so it's like, this goes up and like, you can't see it. It's just in you. Like, and like you look skinnier, but the scale's not going down, which is just nuts. And then eventually like when you go back down and like recover, that's when it's just like, all that those numbers drop off like crazy but yeah i remember just feeling like what is happening like i'm training my ass off and it's not going down yeah. gotta eat more it. salad <laughs> and that's the thing you probably see like like in the mirror you look a lot leaner like so much leaner weight's not going down so oh let's push harder let's restrict yeah. more yeah 100 it's just like yeah polish it until the shine's gone absolutely so in terms of transition from uh training into races then what was the typical approach you took for races and did that change between start of the career and now oh yeah for sure i mean i think back in the day it would just sort of be i don't think it'd be that much of a transition other than like 
the days leading up, I probably put on like, even still in like, it was, that was a hard, that's always the hardest thing for me. It's like, if I'm training really hard in a training camp leading up to a race, I would like get super lean and like probably about a week out. It's like when you start to taper and that's the hardest thing in the world. It's like keeping that lightweight because I cut it so hard that it's like, it, that's not, that's not manageable. Like you kind of want to like drop it. So it's like, you're only going down a bit and then like maybe you pop off just a bit with like, but in a good way with the recovery. And I think you only really nailed it once or twice in my whole career where it was perfect the week before. Um, yeah, early days, it's like, I get skinny probably before the event. And then like three days out, especially once you get to the race, especially in America where you get these like killer buffets at races and like, you know, you're resting and you don't like, you're just terrified. Like, you know, you've never bonked in training in your life, but you're just terrified Like on day one. Like, oh, it'll probably be so hard, this 130K race that I'll totally bonk. So I better start putting in the calories a couple days out. And like, you just put back, like, you're probably overeating by 2,000 calories at minimum a day. Like, even to this day, like, best nutritionist in the world, it's like, you're bait, like, it's like the, uh, the old Bill Clinton joke. It's like, you're only as loyal as your options. Like I'm only as loyal to not eating cookies. It's like my options because I don't buy them. But if there's a plate of like cookies sitting there at the buffet, like I'm going to have one or two or five. And it's just like that. Like, and you can control it for a day or two. You just sort of turn away before you see them, but it's like, you know, they're there. So, and like early days, I was zero control. Cause I'm like, oh, don't want to bunk. But then as it got older, um, or as I got older, like that became more manageable, started to like really like focus in on more. Still, I didn't nail it a lot, but I'd get better. Um, but yeah, the, the leading up to the race is just like a lot of like just sort of recovery management, especially if I did like a big block leading into just making sure I was like 100% recovered. Um, and then, yeah, especially in the last like, couple of years or the last year especially it's just like we've been really focused in on really watching any sweets at the races kind of targeting if i had like a craving it's like do this and this like um and yeah making sure especially for some of the races like the glycogen was always topped up like leading into because i wasn't doing like little 140k races anymore they were like you know 190k with four thousand meters of climbing with the best guys in the world it's like now I actually had a reason to like make sure things were like 100% topped up every single day, like leading into it. And like, even during the race, it was just like going ham, like, you know, like eating bagels and things like this, just like get the carbs in, like make sure that tank is full. Um, and, and gaining even a little bit of weight prior to the event wasn't such a bad thing because it was just a little bit of weight and it, it, it hadn't have ballooned up because I didn't like spike it down so hard to begin with. It was just like it had gone down naturally, like in a very progressive way versus kind of a cut phase. So, Yeah, and that's an interesting point you said there, like your weight, like, you know, quite a few years back would have been like a, a bit of a fake weight because you're very depleted going into it so whenever you put in any form of food then or higher carbohydrates to support the fuel in demands you're naturally just going to increase weight because there's more glycogen in the muscle it's like yeah. fuel in the car the car will just ultimately weigh heavier so that kind mm-hmm. of yeah perhaps just a little bit of fake weight uh there that could be a little oh, bit misleading that's 100 percent like my what does glycogen doesn't weigh anything it's like, and I got, and I still am very, very good at like running like crazy low glycogen. Like it's yeah. Stupid. What the rides I can do on like not a ton of fuel, like it's not good. And it's like, I don't try to do it. I just know I can't do it at times. Like I'll just go out and ride with friends without thinking about it. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. And like do a four or five hour ride and have like, you know, a Snickers and be fine, like not bonk or anything. And they're just like, do you not eat on rides or like, I don't know, man, it's just like, it's fine. Like she'll pay for this tomorrow or something, but it's like, we're just out biking. I don't think of this as training. This is just out for a ride. Like I would die. But you see, like when you, like I could do like these 24 or 36 hours, essentially like just like glycogen fasting. 
So it's like no carbs for like 24 hours to do like, you know, four, like back to back four hour hard rides. And like, yeah, you look real skinny and like your weight's nice and low, but it's a fucking joke. Cause it's like, you don't, like, it's not real. It's and like, and your performance like is like, I don't think I've ever ridden so poorly in my life. Like this, there's like, when I think about that phase, it's like, that was like the worst performance advice ever. Just cause it's like, you're so stubborn and you're so like, you know, your body so well, you can push it so deep, but your damage you're causing without any real benefit is like, it's like, I think maybe that works for like a Fred, like cyclist, but it, yeah. Like, and those, yeah, you say it's just, it's a fake number. Like, yeah, you can get real skinny too. If you don't drink for a few days, like, you know, it's like, you think of the, the Hugh Jackman, like shirt off, like Wolverine scene. It's like, that guy hasn't had any like fluid for days. Looks jacked as, but like, you know, if you had to run up a set of stairs, he'd probably pass out. Like, so, so, so yeah, like I said, they, like you, you can, well, I guess if you're very well trained and adapted, you can get to the work on fairly minimal, Can you, but can you do the work well on yeah. minimal? Most likely not. And seeing weight go up, if we kind of to look at that scenario, if weight went up the next day, that would be a good thing. Because like, okay, yeah. you've actually got carbohydrate and some water on board now. It's like, okay, we're actually in a better position to perform optimally. Um, so when you go from the stage races, like back-to-back days, like maintain, maintaining weight is a really good thing. You yeah. don't want it to drop because if it drops, it highlights that you are perhaps depleted. You're dehydrated. So you have to put... Mm-hmm something back in to make sure you're back to baseline and can perform as best as you can. No, it's hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back to that baseline is yeah. So crucial, especially like for us doing stage races, it's all like, I mean, it's almost impossible some days, but like you're just trying to like, hoping your training like helps kind of prevent that and, and just delaying the inevitable a bit. Cause I never feel like you will just sort of like, you end up just in the hole a bit, like, you know, and some guys that like grand tours, they came out like two or three kilos less, like than they went in and they already went in pretty skinny. So they'll go in like actually a little bit up so that in like week three of the grand tours, like they're hitting like their, like you always hear like Froome or like Karen Thomas, like they're, that when they were really, really good, they were hitting their like prime body weight that last 10 days or last week of the tour, which is just like, I mean, you know, like the, the science in the nutrition behind like being able to nail that is freaking crazy. Like to be able to nail a calorie deficit targeted weight loss in like the big, like in a grand tour, like it just sounds very, very risky. Yeah. Very, very fine margins. But yeah. those guys will have the biggest team in the world doing yeah. absolutely everything uh, yeah. to micromanage. Yeah, every aspect of performance, body composition, health, monitoring, everything. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah, they they got the resources to micromanage, haven't they? So money buys you. That's the best. <laughs> so one of the things I wanted to pick up on there, what you mentioned with uh, going into perhaps these kind of all-you-can-eat kind of buffets and pretty much just hammering in food. So is it more of a case of if you almost when I say crash diet, but really progressively and aggressively dieted into uh, a race, then your food focus is just going to be very, very high. And then you're into this all you can eat buffet. And like I said, there's only so many times you can say no before it's not fuck it. I'm just, I'm just going to have it. And then once you have one, you have two, then you have 10 and then everything else comes on board. Sorry. um, What's the question? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, so I, once you start talking about quickness man my head just goes there and i just think about them <laughs> i don't know if it's a question or a statement but you know when uh, you're kind of uh coming into a race very progressively in terms of dropping calories dropping uh weight and then you have like heightened food focus going into this or you can eat buffet and then you just start eating more and more and more uh to kind of basically just get back get that food focus back to baseline essentially did you feel yeah. that was perhaps the case yeah, it was it, like for sure. It's like you you start yourself and you get get excited, but the, the like you can put so many checks and balances in place leading up to that, which make a huge difference. Um, 
and just targeting more satiating foods um, when you eat them, like so that you're not always like weak, almost like preemptively, like before, like get to the point where one, you didn't starve yourself for the race. And then two, it's like at the races, it's like, you're just, you're already in a nice spot. Like, so you're not craving that. It's like, but maybe it's like, okay, like if dinner's at seven or something, maybe you have it set up. So it's like, okay, hold firm and like, try not to like eat the sweets at dinner. But then like the reward is like a little bit of like yogurt and granola, like before bed or just some like, like good, like low fat yogurt with like fruit or something before, like as like an evening snack. So you're kind of getting that like fix without it actually being like a major like calorie bump three or four. I mean, again, that's a nice thing about America. You get these like nice cookies and 500 calories a pop and you're just tossing those back and, and you don't even realize just how like the damage you're doing. But um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of surviving that first week leading into a stage race is just a lot of it is just reflection on what you did to get to that kind of to that point. And if you've done like a big kind of, well, yeah, the starvation style, like where you really, really cut hard. And like, I was, I was very good at that. It's, it was so bloody hard to just not go crazy. Like once you got there, cause it's just, you are so, like famished like and like now you have a variety of whatever you want just sitting there and once you're in the races it's a bit different but like when you're there for two or three days before and it's still the same food that's sitting there like like well they're just gonna go bad like and it's actually justifying like, your yeah or like there. you know someone there at the table like there's always like a guy who like only has salad and he's trying to watch and be like okay well that's a bit too extreme and then you have the other guy who's just like cookies and i can eat whatever i want and i still like can't wait and i'm like okay well maybe i'll just have one it's like you know i'll set the example no one should be this strict as a salad guy and it's like no one should be quite as so i'll be like the middle ground so i'll just have one or two and then, yeah. And then you have a guy who's like crazy talented and can do whatever he wants. And then you're just like, okay, well, shit. He's really good. But yeah, it's uh, it's a big deal, really nailing that in and um, sort of like figuring out the process that works for you and like how to manage that. And yeah, I think a lot of it just comes down to how you built into that week leading into like a stage race and like a key event and not like, and yeah, that really I think does come down to having not starved yourself, like actually creating like a sustainable program that like, you know, after the series is done, you don't go into like a week of binging that weight, just like skyrockets right back up. Like, you know, maybe it goes up a bit, but then it's like, you just get back to business and like, you know, work away at it. And like, you're building that essentially it's like, you're kind of building like a nutritional lifestyle. You're not building like, uh, like just, starvation like diet like you know whatever you want to follow yeah yeah really interesting point there it's basically the preparation lead into it obviously from a performance perspective but it affects your daily actions behaviors and habits when you're actually there so that's where it comes down to the sustainability element of it because if you're doing something unsustainable and doing it too aggressively then you can have these big peaks and troughs you can have ups and downs like yo-yo dieting uh, approach where now we've got almost got the case of everything's more gradual it's more sustainable we don't have these big peaks and troughs and we are pretty much always towards baseline uh you know most of the time so yeah. that is that's is absolutely cool so just to touch on um act that we mentioned the the fueling during the bike being a, a big uh part of what's working right now so what is your typical go-to on the bike i know a lot of guys and girls will have their own kind of approaches with what foods work them what sit well in their stomach and things like that but what uh what, what do you do what works for you man it's like over my career it's been like almost everything and anything um like and i'm i'm lucky most stuff works with me like i don't have like a sensitive stomach in that sense um the best thing i've ever had probably was i'd say cliff blocks they're just i like there's tons of different flavors. I like that you can chew them. Uh, you have a crazy amount of like 
um, energy per like unit. It's easy measured. It's like, so that all of that stuff lines up. You can carry quite a few of them quite easily. But uh, actually like recently, it's kind of funny. I went through my whole career just like eating like specific, like just sponsor stuff because it was, it was free and it was easy and like performance, performance, performance. Um, but like recently I've just been like having fun with it. So I'm like, ooh, Pop-Tarts. Like these are pretty good. Like obviously not the best thing for you, but it's like they pack a pretty awesome, it's like 370 calories with like damn near hundred grams of carbs per package. So it's actually like packed nice in the pocket, like kind of hit all the boxes. They're tasty, which makes me want to eat them, which helps. Um, you put me on to rest crispy squares, which are awesome, but I can't get enough of them in my pocket. So you can only take two or three. Um, and then, uh, Haribo is pretty awesome. Same basic like concept as like cliff blocks, just less salt. Uh, so stuff like that. I like, I rarely train with gels, although like with, um, first endurance, they have like, it's called like a liquid shot. It's just the consistency is way lighter. So it's way easier to put back these things. And, and you can, you can take quite a few, um, in your pockets. Those, those, especially for races are like hard efforts. It's just like such quick, easy energy. Um, so it depends a bit on like the specific training I'm doing, but like for me, man, I just like, if it tastes good and it has the fuel I need in it, then I just, I put it back. Like, and then, yeah, usually just sort of like whatever the mix of the day is just for something like to taste. But a lot of times, I'll, especially early in the winter, like I'll have one bottle of mix, one bottle of water just for variety. Um, but uh, yeah, as long as, it has the calorie, the carbs, and it's tasty. That's kind of like my number one thing. Like you have to like, and variety is not a bad thing because it's like whatever it, keep, it is that keeps you feeling is more important, I think, than like how absolutely perfectly like clean and like you know fat free or fiber free or whatever. Like I was eating like dates the other day because they were tasty and these are great. Like just like mid dates, like awesome. I, I think so bad. I, I think a key thing there is the variety because obviously you spend so much time on the bike and if you just put in the same carbohydrate gels, the same carbohydrate drink, the same flavors every single day, you're probably going to lose your mind. So it's almost having a lot of variety in there and you know using specific foods for specific training days. Like if it's a low intensity, longer kind of burning day, then yeah, throw in the Pop-Tarts, throw in all that nice stuff. But if it's yeah. kind of like more race specific, that's when you're going to go for more of the kind of like the carbohydrate shots and things like that. Um, exactly. Instead of like the uh, Pop-Tarts <laughs> on a tour stage, that'd be a, a good sight to see. Yeah. No, it's, it's like on those big stages, man, it's like they eat like little sandwiches and stuff. Like we'd get like little paninis and everything like savory. I, the funny thing was like all through my career, I never ate that stuff like rice cakes. I never ate that. It's like I still always stick with the prepackaged stuff. And now I'm like, it's, it's great. Ah, damn. He's just going to make these for me. <laughs> Amazing. Right. Um, we are coming up on time here today. So I'm going to give you the final question. So sure. if you were to give uh, yourself, your 20 year old self, some advice to take performance, body composition, lifestyle, health to the next level, what would it be? What would you tell a 20 year old, Rob? Ah, oh, just do the big things right and don't worry about the little stuff that comes together pretty easy like yeah it's it's so easy to get worked up and like the latest like oh you know this team's doing ketones it's like in that focusing on like the hearsay of the world tour is not applicable to someone who's just trying to like get their foot in the door to be a professional like that's ridiculous it's like taking your driver's test and like you know, figuring out what kind of buttons Lewis Hamilton has on a steering wheel, like it's, it's pointless. Like, yeah, the guy's the best driver in the world, but like that doesn't help you. Like you have to learn how to get there and you're only going to get there by doing a lot of like the really simple things really well. And like, you don't need to, I think, focus so much on like, Oh, like, you know, this, that, the other small little things when it's like, you didn't put enough, like you didn't take in 60 or 80 grams of carbs on like, you know, your three hour, like hard ride. Like that's like stuff like that. Now with what we know, it's like, that's basic. So it's like, focus on the basic stuff, focus on solid recoveries so that you can do it again tomorrow. 
And then, like, don't worry if you're not, if the weight's just not falling off. And it's like, all of this stuff is like, man, and I'm, this got me through my whole career, even from the early days. Just like, you have to trust the process. Like, that's the one thing I always tell, like, kids or people starting out. It's like, all of this is an endurance sport. Like, you see these young guys and, like, the, you can't relate to them. Like, the best riders in the world, talent-wise, the world's smart place and it used to be. They've been identified and exploited. It's That's not real. But for real people and normal people, it's like you have to trust the process because it's it's not a week or a month. It's like we're talking like months and months and years and years of progression to like move in this sport. And just like generally speaking, like get you when you want to set yourself up. So it's like set yourself up for that by doing the little thing or sorry, doing the big things, simple things really well and like then the little stuff will just naturally kind of fall into place because you learn how to do the big things very well and that applies to nutrition like sports science everything like it it all sort of is like pretty synergistic it all works together you know and like don't be hard on yourself because yeah this shit's not easy like and too many people are like and the sport's hard enough as it is. You don't need to be hard on yourself on top of that. So, yeah, when it comes down to it, yeah, give yourself a break. And, like, especially starting out, now that there's people like yourself that are, like, available to the general public, it's just, like, if you have the means, it's, like, having someone. Because that was the whole thing with your program was that you make it so at the end of the day, you're essentially autonomous. So it's, like, you learn, like if I learned this, like, 10 years ago, I don't even know, like, how it would have changed my career other than like for the good and like just made for a lot of happier days in the bike, I think. So yeah, I think it's probably the biggest advice I can give to like myself or like someone starting out is just like worry about the big things and don't stress the little stuff. Not like you'll have plenty of time down the road to stress that. I absolutely love that. And that is a fantastic way to end today's show. So Rob has been absolutely incredible. Um, I think that's going to offer a huge amount of insight to cyclists, but any endurance-based uh, athletes here uh, tuning in. So big thank you for me. And uh, yeah, so hope all goes well in the future. Transitioning into the second part of your career, I'll definitely be uh, following you and uh, looking on. So that'd be absolutely incredible. So again, thank you for all coming on and uh, really appreciate your time. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. That was fun. That was fun chat.